God bless you this morning. It's made to look a little better. Y'all scattered out a little bit. Makes it look a little fuller. <laughs> this morning we were all back there. Anyway, I'll make one comment about Marianne's surgery. The, the doctor does want to check with her heart doctor. She had a echocardiogram scheduled for this month. Anyway, they wanted to check and make sure that he don't want to do that first. If that would happen, then it would get postponed till a little later. <clears throat> but yeah, thank you for your prayers and uh, continue to pray. I'd like to look at James chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. It talks about the sin of partiality. <clears throat> James has a lot of practical things that we can think about. 1 Timothy 5.21 says, I charge thee before God, and this was Paul to Timothy, and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, that thou observe these things without preferring one before the other, doing nothing by partiality, laying hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of another man's sins. Keep thyself pure. <clears throat> that was Paul's writing. Sort of goes right along with this in James chapter 2. I want to go ahead and read James chapter 2, 1 through 13. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man and vile raiment. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say unto the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme the worthy name by which ye are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that saith, Do not commit adultery, said, Also, do not kill. If thou Commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art come a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and do ye, as they that shall have judged by, shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that has showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. I'll stop there. <clears throat> it's a story told of a young single attorney worked for a boss 
who gave each of his employees an annual turkey for Thanksgiving. One year before the birds were handed out, the attorney's mischievous friends replaced the real turkey with one made out of paper, brown paper, and weighted it down with with lead and added a real neck and a tail to it to make it look real and feel genuine. The day before um, Thanksgiving, the attorney went and went to the boardroom and picked up his assigned turkey, thanked the boss for his turkey and for his job, and he took the bird with him. On the bus ride home, the young man wondered, what in the world is he going to do with the turkey? He was single. He said, I don't even know how to cook one. And he never ate and never could eat it all himself. Uh, Before long, a discouraged man came onto the bus, looking discouraged. And uh, the only seat that was left was right beside him. So he sat down there, and they began to talk, and he learned that the man uh, was a stranger to the area there and had spent the whole day looking for a job and couldn't find one. He had no luck in finding a job. And he was had a large family, and he wondered what he was going to do for Thanksgiving, and he thought, uh, you know... Uh, being the next day, suddenly the attorney got a, a, a bright idea. And so uh, he thought, this is a day for a good, a good deed. I'll give him my turkey. The fellow didn't look like he'd accept charity, so the attorney asked him, how much money do you have? He said, well, I have $2 and a few cents. He said, sold. He put the turkey in his lap. The man was moved with tears uh, for the good deed that he was doing and thrilled that his family would have turkey for his uh, Thanksgiving dinner. He got off the bus and he waved bye to the attorney. And the next Monday, the attorney went back to work and his friends were dying to know what happened about the turkey. And so... um, We can imagine their dismay when they found out what really happened to that bogus turkey. Uh, For a week, the attorney and um, his friends rode the bus trying to find this man that he had given this uh, glob of brown paper. They never did find him. For all he knew, the man had intentionally sold him a fake turkey. Was he right? No, it wasn't right. But the circumstantial evidence seemed to indicate that he was right. Well, um, the moral of the story is that it's impossible to judge another's motives simply on the base of an outward appearance of, or anything external factor. In fact, just recently, Marianne and I <clears throat> were sitting there Sunday evening one time, and um, 
circumstances where we we made this uh, thought in our mind and we said, probably this is what's going on. Well, come to know, and it's not nobody from here, so don't try to figure it out. Come to find out later, we were totally wrong. I mean, way off. And so... Uh, The fact is, none of us can determine the heart of another one from the outside. And so we need not guess what it is. Um, And I think that's why James states being uh, prejudice or partiality are wrong. They are sin. We shouldn't do it. And James here gives us a step-by-step example of what he was talking about and he gives us a word picture that we can learn from in other areas of our walk where we might would be tempted to do the same thing one thing that is different um, maybe for them we need to keep in mind that they were living under uh, persecution they were being beat down for their faith, and uh, many other things. We might get into that a little, or I might have a few comments to say about that later. In verse 1, he says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of person. When we think about that... um, with an attitude of favoritism. It's so far from what God would be. The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ would not in any way favor one person above another. So don't hold the faith of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with an attitude of favoritism. Uh, James points out that the two simply don't, uh, they're incompatible. They're not together. Neither should ours be. The word favoritism comes from two words in the Greek, which when put together means to receive by face. It is the idea of judging others solely on the external face value, such as clothes, cars, uh, color of uh, skin color, anything that you would do that with. It is also important to notice that James is, I don't think, condemning or, uh, yeah, maybe condemning the kind of discernment that comes from a thorough understanding of another's character. What he is talking about is making judgments or acting on them when we really don't know and have not taken the time to research our preconceived ideas about someone or something. James goes on to show us example in 2 to 4 here 
He says, for if there come into your assembly a man with gold rings and goodly apparel, uh, and there also come in a poor man. Now we could think of it as um, the ushers. We don't see ushers a lot here, but we do have ushers. Um, you would see a goodly man come in and you would say, well, you come up here and you sit in the front. We want to give you the best seat that we can give you. Now, my, a lot of people want to sit on the back seat for some reason. But anyway, uh, and then somebody comes in and they look poor, ragged, whatever, and you decide, well, we're just letting them sit back here. Um, catering to the rich or the well-liked, uh, those who appear to be smart or more wealthy. How are we in our life? Just our everyday. I've tried to, you know, sort of think about this in our setting, what we do. Uh, are there things that we do? Do we chum up to some people or be more chummy with some people than others? Um, I don't mean this ugly <laughs> at all, but there's sometimes you have people that can we call them look a little more homey? Um, in my opinion, sometimes they look almost a little sloppy. Uh, they're trying to be very careful in their dress and the things they do to be um, modest. I think I can appreciate a person that dresses nice. Um, not expensively. But sometimes we would maybe think those people, uh, we, we get this preconceived idea that maybe these aren't as fun to be around. Do we? I don't know. Um, I think what James is saying, don't take it by face value. Look at it. Uh, search it out. Go talk to them. Make them a part of your life. Uh, if we exalt one and mistreat the other because of appearance, appearance it's it's wrong it's not right to do that <clears throat> it's because of our evil motives that we would do that and so we should accept everyone regardless of certainly how they look nobody can help how they look I mean yeah you can help if you look sloppy but um, you can help that. I guess as I thought about it, if we are prone to um, step up beside somebody that is nicer looking, looks smart, looks, you know, or well liked, um, and we chum up with those people and sort of push the others back, 
Is it not a form of pride in our life that we have? In other words, when we do that, we are trying to make ourselves look better. We want to be with the elite people, if you can call it that. Um, we need to be careful. It could be a form of pride on our own life if we do those kind of things. James is telling us that we should not have this kind of attitude. Verse 4, he says, Are you not them partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? That's what he calls it. Because of our evil thoughts, because of our motives, the evil motives. And then he goes on in verse 5 to say, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to them that love him? Is James saying that God is a little partial? That he um, has chosen the poor of this world? No, I don't think so at all. I know he's not. But if you think about it, those, as I said, these people were in persecution. They were being thrown out of the synagogue. They were being maybe even caused to flee from the area they are and go to another area to be safe. And they really didn't have anything. And those people, when we're in need of something, we come to God. He is our source. And for the most, um, or I'd say a lot of poor people are a little bit more receptive to the gospel than the rich are. I think that's very prevalent in our world today. Amen. And so um, the poor know where they have help where they can turn to, they have God when they have nothing else. And so they they're, uh, want to be a part of God. So He's chosen the poor who are coming to Him in faith, heirs of the kingdom, and He has promised to them that love Him, which He has promised to love that love Him, those that really care about Him and depend on Him. And it is something that we have, the more um, independent we are, I think it has a tendency to pull us away from God because we depend. If we have all the money that we have need and we just have everything that we need, do we get to the place where we said, I don't need God. I have everything I want. I think we need not get to that place. <clears throat> James then gives us uh, three reasons why being prejudiced is wrong. The first one in verse 5 through 7, the first one is it's out of character with God's method. Let's look at 5 again. Hearken not, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the rich? what I was talking about there. It's out of character with God. Um, 
James is also not shutting out the rich here. Far from that. He is saying that the gospel is especially dear to the poor because they may not have much else than that. And it's a welcome to a a person that doesn't have uh, a lot of riches to know that God has set value on him. And it's not like the world that comes to you which reject you if you're not worth a whole lot, so to speak. You're worth a lot to God, always. From God's perspective, the real issue is the condition of the soul. Uh, he doesn't look at the heart. Uh, he looks at the heart, not the wallet, we could say. And Paul has said the same thing in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 25, uh, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men, For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base the things and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and all things which are not, to bring not things that are. And so we see that happening in our world um, and in the church. Um, God doesn't use the, the mighty, the noble things. He uses those simple gospel things to confound the wise. Such a wonderful thing that God has chosen the weak things, what we think might be weak or the world thinks is weak, to confound the the ones that think they're something. Secondly, the reason that prejudice is wrong, uh, it ignores the university of sin. By their catering to the rich and the famous, he's talking about here, um, you're saying that they don't really need God. They don't really have sin. Um, And yet the rich are sinners and need God just like all of the poor or whoever. We all need the grace of God. We all need that Uh, touch of God in our life. These people knew what it was to be persecuted, to be hated, to be thrown out. And God was still with them. He loved them. And so, uh, we need to look at everybody on an equal base. The third thing that James points out that is it, incon- it is inconsistent with Scripture, uh, verses 8 and 9, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love the neighbors thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to person, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Now, that uh, royal law goes back to Leviticus 
19, verse 17 and 18, Thou shalt not hate thy brethren in the heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And that's what James is saying here. If you fulfill the royal law, which is thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. That's the royal law as it is referred to. Wouldn't it be nice if everybody in our world, everybody in our churches, would live totally by the royal law of love? What a beautiful world we'd have where everybody loves each other, would look out for each other. But you know what? It's a ten, it's, I think we all have tendencies, I know I do, um, to think about people differently than others, um, we create prejudice ideas that may or may not be true and attitudes toward people that disappoint us, even wrong us. And I think if we allow these things to grow in our life, if we allow them to be there, uh, it will bring us down, certainly, and there are people that disappoint us and wrong us. It's not right. It doesn't feel good. But what is our attitude? Do we cater to those attitudes that we might have tendencies toward? I think if we do and it grows, it will also continue in our families, in our children and the people that we associate with because we have a hard time hiding those things in our lives if we don't get them taken care of. The royal law, always love those around us. Do you ever think, I will love you if you do this? If you would just do this, I could love you. I wouldn't have any problem loving you. If you would quit doing this and and do this, then I could love you. And the list could go be endless that we could name or think about. So James goes on to write, so he said, listen up. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he has said, that not commit, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. If you commit adultery, yet thou, if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and do as it shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy and show no mercy and mercy rejoices against sin. <clears throat> the truth is, any sin against the divine authority, uh, and he who commits the transgression, 
This was out of uh, Adam Clark. I'll just read it. The truth is, any sin is against the divine authority, and he who has committed one transgression is guilty of death, and by his one deliberate act dissolves as far as he can the sacred connection that subsists between all divine precepts and obligations which are under to obey, which he is under to obey, and thus casts off the effect of allegiance to God. For if God should be obeyed in one instance, he should be obeyed in all as authority and reason of obedience. <clears throat> are the same in every case. He therefore who breaks one of these laws in effect, if not in fact, guilty of the whole. And I think it's true. If we uh, offend in one, we are guilty of the whole law. <clears throat> in verses uh, 12 and 13 here then, James brings thoughts on partiality uh, close with three uh, basic principles to apply. <clears throat> First, the scriptures, let the scriptures, not your heritage, be your standard. So speak ye and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. Instead of excusing our partiality or prejudice ways of looking at things, um, we could say things, well, that's the way I was brought up. That's just always what I've seen at home. That's what I learned. Uh, I can't. That's just the way I am inside. I can't help it. I don't think we should do... I know we shouldn't look at it that way. Um, let the scriptures, not your heritage, be your standard. And so we need to allow God to change you, me, how we think, how we speak, how we uh, act living according to his word. That's how we're going to know his will for our life is through his word. <clears throat> Second, let love be your law. Some of the neediest people uh, are typically receive the worst kind of prejudice response, and I think that's so true. And this is no bad reflection on Marianne, but I'll give you an example of, of something that happened to me and her. Um, I was at I don't remember what store it was. It's been years ago at a Walmart, or it seems to me it was maybe, and we were amongst the clothes. Um, and there was a man there somehow that caught my attention, and I, I got to talking to him, and he really couldn't talk very well. It really seemed slurred, um, whatever. And it was suggested to me to just, come on, come on. Just let him go, he's drunk. And, and I, something drew me to him, and I kept talking to him. And he got 
the point across by telling me that he almost died. He went like this. And I said, oh, you almost died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, then he went on to say how he's seen this glorious picture of children in heaven. He said they were so beautiful. There were so many of them there. I mean, this was all in just, you know, bits and pieces. wasn't like we had a, a really open conversation, but uh, he got the points across. And so I was beginning to think, is this guy for real or isn't he? And so I said, were you sort of like what Paul talks about out of the body experience? And he got so excited. He said, yes, yes, that was it. That's it. And so I was always glad that I took the time to, to listen to him. Um <clears throat> It pays sometimes to, if we look at a person that we think might have a problem one way or the other, we all have problems, don't we? And we all like to be listened to. The third thing is about mercy being your message. Um, because God will judge us without mercy who have showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices against judgment. I, I thought about that. And if we use mercy, if we have mercy on people, um, we're not going to be judged. It rejoices against judgment because we've shown mercy. The individual that is motivated by the law of love will exude mercy in his relationship. And that exude was a new word to me, so I looked it up uh, to what it means, and I loved it. Exude, it's E-X-U-D-E. -E. Um, it means to cause ooze or spread in all directions. Isn't that beautiful picture of love? What it should do in our lives to other people it should ooze to all of them. It should go out to everybody. It should spread in all directions. It's a beautiful word. And so James is saying, let your message, I mean, let your mercy, let mercy be your message. Uh, because God has said, He will judge those that don't have mercy. And so we have our work to do. Um, every one of us has our story to tell. I think just about all of us have had difficulties in life, have had things that we struggled with, had a hard time with. Um, and so every one of us also appreciates being heard, don't we? It's not often that I sit down and open up my heart to many people. Uh, but I do appreciate people that I can have conversation with and 
I appreciate being heard, and I know you do too. Will we take the time to listen to others, to hear them out, see where they're at, not being partial in our thinking, or as they start to talk, we get preconceived ideas all along the way, and we have them judged before they ever get their story told. Will we hear them? Will we respect them? Um, If we don't, it's sin. It's wrong. It's not how God would have it. And so let's be careful as we go through this week, as we have opportunities. Look around for them. There's a lot of people that like help. They like to be heard. And will we take the time to do that? And I know some of you do. And God bless you in that. May God bless you as you go through this week and share your testimony with others. I think we'll stand for closing prayer. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you have given us the faith of you that we can experience that in our hearts and lives. We just pray, Lord, that you would give us much wisdom as we look at people, as we think about people, as we talk to people. Help us that we could look through the eyes of you and not impartiality or favoritism to some more than others. We pray that you would give us your spirit as we see people. Give us a heart to love them, to care about them without any partiality. We pray that you would just guide us as we go from here. Help us to honor you and through this week, that you could use us in wherever you would like us. Forgive us where we come short of these things and just uh, help us to grow in you and be stronger. Bless each one that came out today and watch over those who are away from us today. Pray that you would give them uh, a pleasant day and joy in you. Thank you for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.